What's up, folks? And happy holidays here from the Big Old Belt Podcast. Not Jaren Jamal here tonight as we're going to give you a uh, part one of our really our 2020 year in episode special. Uh, so this episode and, and the next episode are both pre-recorded because all of us are either doing some traveling or just the holidays being with our family. So we're not doing these on our typical Thursday live um, but we will make sure that they are available in their perspective Thursdays for you all. And then much like I said um, on episode uh, 301, uh, we take our little break hiatus in January, which uh, we will be back in January if there's some breaking news or something we definitely need to cover. Other than that, you won't hear our voice back until uh, February of 2021. We definitely want to make sure we get some content out for you all to listen for the holidays and uh, your travels and all that other good stuff. Uh, but before we get started, Jamal, how you doing today? I'm um, good. Uh, you know, day before Christmas. Uh, it's weird because it's nine o'clock and dynamite isn't on. <laughs> but um, best uh, Christmas, the spirit of Black Friday, you know, compels us. Um, and your know, Boxing Day is in, in on Saturday, so that's going to be a lot of fun uh, watching. All of uh, you know, watching Creed, going to the Rocky Marathon for uh, for Boxing Day. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's a good time. Awesome. So much like episode, uh, our final episode of uh, uh, twenty, uh, excuse me, twenty nineteen, going into twenty twenty. Uh, I went back and listened to the fall, the, the previous year, and kind of as we kind of reflected the whole year and what we expected going into twenty twenty. With that being said, I'm going to pick up immediately where we left off at on that episode. <laughs> and the biggest subject matter going into that, uh, going into this year, what a crazy year it's been at, at when, you, when you think about it. I mean, COVID, no crowds, the speaking out movement, uh, the indies dying, um, a, a, a lot of different things happened this year. But before we get into that, I want to I want to start off by the time we started off with um, in the beginning of this year. And that was the state of Impact Wrestling and ROH. What would they have to do to thrive in 2020? Now, we had our thoughts. And some was very much on point, to be honest. Um, but there's been a lot of things that's happened this year. So considering how we brought this year in, I want to throw this question to you to kind of start tonight's uh, conversation is, how did ROH and Impact Wrestling do this year? Well, they both did well for different reasons. It's easy to bash ROH a little bit more because there really wasn't a lot of content for most of the year. They've only since recently, within the last month, got started again. It's easy to you know, look at Impact and see that they're still trailing behind AEW and WWE as far as the presentation goes. For some reason, their studio seems a lot more hollow, a lot more dead than the AEW studio. And I think there's a difference between having zero people in the crowd with the participants and not doing anything to bring any energy or any life into the, uh, into the arena. So the fact that they still exist when COVID has taken so much away, is pat on the back worthy uh, that in of itself. With that said, I don't think that ROH and well, ROH more than Impact, but I don't think the Ring of Honor 
has learned, you know, too, too much from this and haven't really used this opportunity so far to expand upon ROH. A lot of the issues that I have with them are issues that I've had with them going into this year. Uh, the lack of a, a, a relevant television deal, the lack of, you know, your characters, the lack of a women's division, um, yeah. you know, honor club not being consistent. Uh, you know, like these are issues that have st- continues to plague ROH pandemic or not. Yeah. So because of their standard, I can't be like, well, this is the worst year for ROH because realistically, who knew? I mean, who knew what ROH was doing anyway? Impact, on the other hand, has arguably had the best year of any of the companies, uh, or the major television distrib- distributed companies, because of their AEW deal suddenly towards the end of the year, um, because of you know the fact that they were able to work around the um, the border restrictions and, and get some new talent in there, and um, after you know there was a mass exodus from WWE, and you know make the best of, of situations. It seemed like everything that happened where impact, you know, had to adjust and pivot, they did. And to some degree they did well. So, you know, hats off to them for that. Yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right. Um, regardless if you listen back to the episode or not, which was episode 250 folks, you want to go back and listen to the episode that started off this year for us. Um, you brought exactly the same points you brought up. Um, the one thing I will say about ROH is that I feel like they found their identity. They they went back to their roots and not just by advertisement as they have done previously, but they brought back pure wrestling and pure wrestling uh, alongside of the sports aspect, uh, really locking in some talent, um, giving Gresham more control with the uh, with the company uh, as, as far as with the, the talent recruitment and you could imagine how big of a year they probably they potentially could have had letting Gresham get out on the road and scouting people since he uh, was running the um, Future of Honor Dojo, which they've done some local signings coming out of M- MCW. Uh, so you know, and then the Marty Scroll deal that came that that came about as well, uh, which might have happened not it might have happened January of this year because we didn't talk about it in the episode, so it must have happened immediately after after that. And the significance that that could have played ROH playing friendly with NWA at the time. So, like, they were trending. They were getting ready to trend in the right direction. COVID hit. They didn't do anything in, in COVID. They played this super safe. Hats off to them for that. We definitely gave them props for that during the year. But I will say when they when they were able to relaunch that, bring about the peer tournament um, was definitely, uh, this is not a pun, but this definitely was a good foundation for them uh, for possibilities in the future. So I will say that they've taken one s- semi-big step forward. Now we just need to see what they do. All your concerns that you brought up, completely still valid. Because after this, after you know, regardless of this little project that I'm talking about here, there's a lot more work to be done in that roster. Like we, I think we spent about 10 minutes talking about the women's division and well, lack thereof one. And I still don't believe that there's women's side to ROH. I, I'm, I'm very, very, um, <laughs> I'm very lost on that one. And then the next thing to kind of um, talk about is Impact Wrestling. You're absolutely right. You know, they locked in the access deal last year. 
Um, they they went forward with the Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan intergender match, crowning their first women uh, uh, world champion, having their first uh, uh, two women competitor main event for the Impact World Championship. Um, you know, significant signings, really beefing up that women's division, arguably becoming the best women's division um, out there in all of professional wrestling, uh, got hit. By speaking out and and uh, and uh, the cancel culture, losing talent, uh, Tessa Blanchard and her shenanigans, you know, arguably losing their biggest star uh, and continue to stay afloat to the point that you would think losing Tessa would probably would could have been almost the death penalty for them, because regardless of the claims around her. That's a big talent that made people watch that 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 promotion. Um, and with her being removed, with other people being removed because of the speaking out movement, what was next? And here we are at the end of 2020, and you got some of their top talent working in New Japan. You got the AEW deal that, well, we'll talk about AEW in a second, but this absolutely change the world this this if this was the mission statement that AEW dynamite or AEW, excuse me started with the creation of AEW, you know about them changing the world i i mean we we i i i really do advise people to go back and listen to episode 250 there's a lot of good tidbits in that but like considering what they propose and how it really didn't happen something like this changed the world this don Callis and kenny omega thing absolutely has changed the professional wrestling world. And it and, and impact wrestling is relevant. No matter what, they continue to show resilience. And regardless if you watch it each and every Tuesday or not, they're at the tip of everybody's tongue right now because people want to know what are they going to do. Whether it's just following Kenny Omega wherever way he go, impact wrestling is, is still there uh, regardless of all the circumstantial things that they've been through this year. So, you know, ROH, a small step forward, Impact Wrestling, I mean, light years forward from the things that they've done this year, considering the setbacks that they had. So definitely hats off to them. Let me, unless you want to add something to that, let me rephrase, let me get this next question to you, because I kind of, actually, I'm going to kind of put it all together for you. Now, again, we talked about AEW, and the first thing you said about AEW last year was that you don't think it's, we we didn't have enough to kind of evaluate AEW in a year. Now we definitely have. We definitely have had one very solid year for AEW, whether it's Dynamite, Dark, the pay-per-views, the structure of that company, all the other things involving them. How now do you look at AEW as far as, you know, again, the mission statement of changing the world, their, their uh, you, know, you know, how they prided themselves in being different from WWE, wins and losses matter. Um, just the aesthetic of it and so on. Like looking back now for 2020, how now do you ultimately feel that AEW did in this year? I think in general, um, it, it, again, because of COVID, you kind of have to grade everything at a curve. Uh, it is, it, it would be silly of me to just come out here and say that like AEW had a terrible year because of their misgivings with the women's division, or they had a terrible year because they seem to not, you know, their 
so-called elite superstars have been booked like, you know, mid-carders or the fact that they're still picking from the remnants of WWE or the fact that they've now just called the old folks home and got a COVID test for Sting and dragged his ass out there on a, on a golf cart. Um, you know, you could still take pot shots at AEW in the sense that like, oh, they're just WCW 2.0 or they're just going to become, you know, the next ECW on USA Network. However, that's not really the case. AEW this year has managed to pull off some pretty interesting things. Um, and to be fair, looking at it objectively, AEW has managed to pull off some things that immediately made WWE take notice. And mm-hmm. WWE is one of the best production companies in the world mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, putting on a live presentation. They rank mm-hmm. up there with NASCAR, the NFL, National Rugby League, you know, Japanese mm-hmm. baseball, all of it. Mm-hmm. WWE is right there with them. Mm-hmm. And then when AEW switched their hard cam mm-hmm. from stage left of you know of the of the, of the arena to, to the, the center of the arena, yep. that was a world of difference back when Raw looked the way it did versus when they would show like 17 rows of empty chairs and have Steve <laughs> Austin do a what promo uh, <laughs> in a silent arena. Yeah. It took them six months to make the performance center look like something other than the performance center. Yeah. Because they were still the performance center with that big ass ceiling fan in the background. (laughs) Um, It took them how many months for them to get the Thunderdome underway when they debuted it for before SummerSlam, when they knew that WrestleMania was coming, you know, it took them, it took them six months to put that together. Uh, You know, but to AEW's point, they've managed to do certain things by not stepping outside themselves. Mm-hmm. No, their production isn't 99% spot on. It's closer to 92%. There are some goofiness uh, you know, right there. They yeah, didn't get the crowd noise right. You know, yeah, the year. They but, definitely got those blunders coming yeah. out of last year out of there. All the stuff that I was nitpicking on, you know, being knowing how to work the camera in ladder matches, knowing when somebody's getting ready to enter <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, what was I say the match like a lot of little silly things that they definitely have came along and got together. Yeah, but but also the things some things that they did well was the ability to adjust and readjust when they spent yeah. all of May in QT Marshall's sex dungeon uh, <laughs> filming all of those dynamites. That was an adjustment. They had to move to Plan B, and even though it was kind of weird looking, it was okay for what it was. And then, and to be fair, it was a bit of resourcefulness for them to say like, okay, well, this year is scrapped. Let's just tape the next shows. How do we tape a show? Um, let's put together an eight-man tournament and just tape that in two days. Yeah. And that got us through May. And then they went to Daly's Place, and that's gotten us through the rest of it. Um, and they've had some sparkling matches in, at Daly's Place. Uh, Stadium Stampede arguably is the match of the year. Um and, you know, if it's not there, it should be on your radar. Yeah. Um, they've had, you know, they've managed to turn dark from what it was as like this second tier ish show that's not really a show that's kind of like WCW Worldwide <laughs> to basically a legit tryout show that is well, better than Tough Enough ever was. Yeah. And it has an identity. I think. And it was it's kind of funny listening to us talk about Dark before. Like we were just kind of like, oh, it's another it's extra content. You know, it's it's yeah. it's on YouTube and 
it's cool because it's different, but like we really don't know what it is. But now we do know what we can expect each and every week from it. So right, and, um, and whether or not you sure. agree with it is is you know up to personal taste. I personally yeah. think the dark is great, mm-hmm. um, and and it's a good showcase of talent that may not necessarily be tied to a storyline or tied to anything else. It's just go out there and do your thing. And, and so I mean their ability to. Um, to go out there and do it and come. And, and again, they've had some major gaffes too, whether it was, um, you know, injuries. Uh, AEW was not absolved from the speaking out movement because yeah. Jimmy Havoc fell down a manhole and we haven't seen his ass since. Obviously, I forgot, gone. forgot all about that guy. Right. Um, you know, so so that was a thing that they they swept that. Yeah, and, and B. Priestley. I need to know what vacuum cleaner they had. To make all that shit go away in once one pass, yeah, um, because that was gone immediately. B. Priestley, same thing. Yeah, uh, Sammy Guevara, he got abducted, and we saw what, him what, a month later. What definitely, we definitely got to talk about the speaking out thing because that was really pivotal. Yeah, I mean that, that will probably come with like the big end of the year show when we talk about the things that made 2020, 2020. Mm-hmm. But um, because there were some memorable things in 2020 that's not mm-hmm. all COVID related. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I gotta give AEW credit because they had some big things planned, you know, Brody Lee was supposed to come in his hometown and be revealed as the leader of the dark order in his hometown. What would that crowd have sounded like? Yeah. Um, Matt Hardy, when he came and he did his weird teleportation thing on, on TV, that would have been nuts in front of a crowd. The stadium stampede may not have happened if we got, you know, yeah. if the year had gone on a plan, but we never saw blood and guts, whatever that was supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> You know, forgot about that. Which was supposed to be in Newark. And they were working so hard to get into the New York area. They finally got into Newark and then there was no show. Yeah. Um, so all of these different things. And then, of course, if there were no pandemic, if, if 2020 didn't happen the way it happens, how many of those people do WWE keep? Mm-hmm. So we don't have Matt Cardona uh, showing up on on uh, on Dynamite. We don't have... Uh, we don't have Miro showing up yeah. uh, on Dynamite. We don't have um, I'm thinking of Matt Sidal, uh showing up out of nowhere, uh, you know, doing his thing. So it, you know, it absolutely changes everything. No yeah. clue to unpredictability what would have happened. FTR could have also been a switch in hands. They, yeah, of course they might not have been happy, but money talks. You know, you just never know. And they were yeah. definitely in the green with the Saudi money, and since that you know wasn't able to be fulfilled and. You know, we 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 spoke a lot about the Fox deal last year, and now that's in the play, and obviously that's creating more revenue. Um, and you know, it just everything just changes. You know, every everything was definitely changing for the better for them, and then COVID actually had its own plan. So you just it's it's just it's crazy. You're bringing up amazing points. It's crazy the blessing and disguises that we got with COVID, but without COVID, we wouldn't have had a lot of these amazing moments that we had. Yeah, and it's hard to say because with and we can you know we can definitely spitball this into oblivion. But if COVID doesn't happen, do we get Kenny Omega on Impact? No. If COVID we- doesn't happen, do we get the NWA trying just to, to to not fall off the cliff? Well, and that's another thing. Because I, they were I wanna- a month away from their first pay per view ever. Yeah, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, let me bring that back to you right now. I mean, we went into we we went into 2020 with. NWA Power being the best show produced, period. Yeah. NWA was striking on all cylinders. We 
all concluded that that's the only show we could give an A to as far as just doing everything right, you know, with, with minimum issues to, or blemishes to it. Look what COVID did. You know what I mean? So to my question to you is, what does NWA have to do to get back on a high horse? Yes, they're, they're, they're starting back up, but like the momentum's not there. What do they need to do to put eyes back on that product? It's it's a cold start for NWA. Very um, cold. And, and, and honestly, what they got to do is start it as if the last year didn't exist. When you think of the NWA roster, I don't know, A, who's left, and B, I can't think of anybody that I liked on NWA that isn't all somewhere else on TV. Yeah. So – Tasha Steeles is an impact. Um, Ricky Starks is an AEW. Yeah. Hell, even um, um, what's his name? That, uh, Wade Barrett. That's a huge loss for them. Huge loss. Wade Barrett is is an is an NXT. Yeah. So I I don't know who's left. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, like as much as I love the question mark, he can't do it all by himself. Um. But so that so that is kind of a thing. They just kind of got a cold start and do the show. Now I know that Billy said that we don't want to do the show without fans. We do the show for the fans. Um, but okay, it's been a year. Yeah. It'll be also, a year in March. Also, um also just FYI, uh Billy had a partner. And he's yeah, speaking out. Mm-hmm. Right. And and and, and this is this is kind of back to the impact thing, how things can happen and it could be completely detrimental to your company. Billy losing uh well, I can't think of his name. Uh um David. Uh God, well, I can't think of his partner name. Uh I will come to me in a second, but Billy Corgan's partner in NWA, uh being under um allegations of the speaking out movement, happened to resign. COVID happening, their aesthetic of how they run shows, um, you know, it's 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 a it's definitely a choice that they decided to make because they are these are ran in uh, Georgia, which Georgia, aka Baby Florida, never stopped <laughs> essentially, and they just had to go back to the books because of all these things. And I I, I this is literally. You know, the biggest question I want to ask for tonight is what do they got to do to get back on a high horse? Because, like, I just I, I do not see a path for them right now. Um, You know, the talent that you like you said, the talent you care about are all working places. I mean, Thunder Rosa is the best and most interesting uh, woman's uh, competitor in AEW as their NWA. What well, was their NWA champion now, Serena Deeb? Um, but. It's why do we go back to them if they're not going to go back to what they what they went what they were going with and they don't want to do that without having a crowd. So I don't know. It's very confusing with NWA. Uh folks listening to us, definitely uh drop us a tweet and let us know what 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 does NWA have to do to get his fans back? Um it's it was at one point one of you know, Tuesday night was the night to watch wrestling. You got NWA, you got NW um AW Dark. And then you had impact, you know, but now that, again, like Jamal said, a cold start, but still doesn't have that peak interest like they like they once did. What do they have to do to get back to it, folks? What, what would you like to see them do? And I think, 
you know, something like you said with um, ROH, they got to bring in somebody that's got to be worth watching. I like Nick Aldis, but that's not enough. You got to do something or you got to get them being friendly to a point that it makes sense for them. I know Billy Corgan and um, and uh, Tony Khan must be friends, but that's a one-way deal going on there because th- there's nothing that's coming back besides the prestige of that title being shown on their television. There's nothing that's wow. coming back to me that says, I need to go back to NWA and watch and see what's happening. Well, Impact got it right on this that, one. That's kind of the, that's kind of the risk-reward uh, that we've been talking about is that if COVID doesn't happen, Obviously, the NWA goes along the way it needs to go along. Um, and, you know, and, and, and the traction that it was gaining, we don't know how good or, or bad that would have gone. But what we do know is, is that now that NWA had to basically shut down and like completely halt operations, when they do come back to a point, you know, we've seen handshake deals, you know, and, and, and conversations being made between NWA, AEW, and uh, Impact. Nope. Do those handshake deals happen uh, as, as as if COVID never does? Nope. We don't know. Yeah. But what we what, what as it is as it stands is that we're seeing in an immediate way the relationship between Impact and AEW, and that's playing out before our eyes on TV, and obviously at Hard to Kill that story will move along a little bit further. We're not seeing the replications of NWA working with AEW. Not yet, anyway. And I wonder if NWA comes up with a show. Maybe they do start power back up, and they do go back to Georgia, get their people in, sign some talent, and just start this thing over, uh, get some sponsors, and start it all over again. Will AEW be a part of that resurgence of NWA? You got to think that unless Billy Corgan's just a fool, uh, that there wouldn't be something in it for him. Billy Corgan isn't bigger than the NWA. He isn't more prestigious than the NWA. And if the even if the NWA dies today and comes back twenty years from now, it will still have the lineage of fifty years of tradition. Mm-hmm. Billy Corgan doesn't isn't needed for that. But as far as the business goes, that's run by Corgan. Will a what role does AEW play in the resurgence of the NWA? Unless Corgan is just giving away his belt, uh, or at least the women's belt, on TV for what? I mean, AEW gets the talent, sure. But what does NWA get out of it? And the only thing I can think of is, is that on the back end, when the time comes, we're going to see a we're going to see Penelope before on Power. We're going to see Big Swole on Power. Mm-hmm. That's actually a good look. I mean, because I mean, and again, what does NWA's roster look like? But once those questions are answered, I can definitely see a conversation happening where, like, somebody goes, "Well." I want to fight a champion. And I'm going to fight the champion. And that's going to be on YouTube on NWA Power. And that is the aesthetic of it, NWA Power, is when somebody wants to face the champion, they come out and they do it. And that's how it goes down. So, like, you know, I, I like I like what NWA Power is doing. And the interest will be there once they get back there. But um, 
it, it, you know, everyone couldn't be winners in 2020 with COVID involved. And, right. you know, NWA is definitely one who really suffered um, from everything. But, hey, they're still alive. That's the thing. They're doing life support, but they're still alive. So, um, but uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll get back to uh, the rest of our part one of our holiday special here at the Big Go Bell Podcast. Hey, this is 2 Chains, the host of the BGB Podcast. Be sure to visit us on YouTube and subscribe for additional content. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to the Big Go Bell Podcast on iTunes and all audio platforms. Visit BigGoBellGroup.com, the golden standard for all of your wrestling needs, and connect with us on all social media platforms. All right, folks, welcome back uh, to our holiday special part one of the Big Old Belt podcast. Hopefully everybody's having a good and safe holiday season um, and getting ready to uh, have festive time with their family or what or what may be. Or if you just want to be solo and hang out at home, why don't you just do it safe and you're being happy? You're prerogative. Anyway, uh, we're talking about 2020. And we're talking about uh, really putting the wrestling world into perspective, uh, talking about, you know, how some promotions have come along, how some have digressed, some of the crazy things that's happening this year in regards with COVID, no crowds, um, and all that other stuff. I want to start off this second half by talking about, well, the, the deal with the devil. And that is, you have to kind of really regardless if you like them or not, because, you know, people love to hate WWE. If it wasn't for Lyndon McMahon, Vince McMahon, there probably wouldn't have been a lot of wrestling going on this year. Lyndon McMahon, who was obviously in the pockets of Donald Trump, the president, made sure that wrestling, of all things this year, was considered essential. And in case you all might have forgot about that, well, it was just... Um, Let's just kind of bring that full circle for you. So when the pandemic hit, things got shut down. Only certain businesses was allowed to operate. You can imagine that being hospitals, fire, uh, excuse me, uh, fire and safety, uh, poli- uh, fire departments and police officers safety, um, food, foods, obviously, uh, dry cleaning businesses because uh, the people in uniform have to stay sharp. And I don't know what else was in that list. That's not schools. Schools wasn't no. No, well, back when it like first lockdown, um, the essential businesses, uh, you know, obviously your hospitals, um, you know, police, fire, uh, security, um, law, um, and um, uh, certain types of restaurants. Um, yeah, like so, like bakeries. And grocery stores, not necessarily yeah. restaurants. Pharmaceuticals. Um, yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. So those yeah. things were open and considered essential businesses. <laughs> um, also, as things you know went further down the road, uh, sporting groups were considered essential businesses as well. And then um, eventually it came down to, in Florida, they decided to say that um, any nationally televised sport is an essential business. 
Yeah, well, I, I, because that make you make it seem like there was ever there was ever a lapse in when it wasn't. WWE in wrestling was always considered in that initial tier of what was going to be able to run. Um, no, it wasn't. They they never they never had a they never ever not ran a show. They no they were no that, that, that's why they um that's why they were allowed to open that the reason the reason why AEW moved to QT Marshall Sex Dungeon yeah but was no, because but, but Florida. That, yeah, because Florida. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I see. I see where you're going at. Yeah, WWE in Florida, based in Florida. Yeah, Linda McMahon and Vince made sure by putting a significant amount of money in Trump's pocket. We'll just say eighteen million dollars. Yes, to ensure that when the list of businesses that was allowed to operate deem, de- deeming them essential, WWE wrestling, thus WWE. Was considered well, not, on again, not specifically wrestling, but any nationally televised sports league. Yeah. Okay. Right. 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 Because so that, 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 that opened included, up the door. Which is why the NBA moved to Florida to Orlando. Yeah. yeah. The WNBA moved to the uh, Bradenton, Florida. Yeah. Um, and then WWE was already based in Orlando in the Performance Center, and yeah. AEW is based in Jacksonville in Northern Florida. Yep. So, be you know. Baseball had not started yet, as it was March, and uh, hockey had not started yet because they. But they also have like eight teams in Canada, so they needed to figure that out. And they eventually moved the NHL to Canada, and and, and then AEW in the for the month of May decided to move and tape a week's worth of a week's worth of uh, a month's worth of content in like a few days mm-hmm. in the suburbs of Atlanta at QT Marshall Sex Dungeon. So. Mm-hmm. Once they got the word back in May-ish, I think, um, well, later on, they got the word that Florida would make sports leagues essential, mm-hmm. um, which got, which gave the NBA wrestling um, and other nationally televised sports put, um, the option to run in that state. Yeah, put it this way. When the deal got done, everybody's eyes looked at Florida and said, we got to figure out a way. Dana White of the UFC was very adamant about, you know, not necessarily being in Florida, but why can't we do this in Vegas or Nevada? You know, and he ultimately did fight Island overseas, but ultimately the deal in Florida made everyone migrate to Florida. I think they did run one show in Florida, or I, at least I know another MMA company did for sure. There was, like, yeah, there was a um, another MMA company that did like the first live event, uh, first live sporting event with fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that was like in a suburb of Orlando. Not many fans, but I believe that was in a suburb of Orlando. Um, and that was because of the Florida uh, um, news. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, just to bringing this up, like, what a crazy year has been. I mean, we went from like, oh, pandemic. Oh, things are getting shut down. Oh, w- wait, well, we're not going to be able to have sports. What are we going to do without sports? To, oh, Wrestling somehow, or so we say, Vince and them, or Linda, the McMahons, somehow then swindled their way into making Florida a destination place for live sports events, a uh, televised sports events, excuse me. And thus, that created an avenue for all the things that's happened this year with WWE, with AEW, uh, with the Indies. And I mean, like, it's, it's, it's when you think about how things really like, trickle down 
you know, AEW doing this and you you brought up QT Marshall, but I mean, like, not only because QT Marshall has, you know, his his, his sex dungeon, as you says, and a bunch of people that he's training, but this also was the opportunity for independent talent to get an opportunity to be shown on TV because they needed to resource people. Because once this stuff happened, folks, you have to remember, there were people overseas that were not able to get back into the country. So yeah. everyone's talent was very, very scarce. And what would they do? And yes, there's a ton of amazing British talent, Australian talent, Japanese talent that were Mansoor. not able to Mansoor. Just Mansoor of the Mansoor. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is cool that we got to see, you know, people on television regularly on, on the independent scene. Baron Black, Christy James, um, and, and even some being signed, like, uh, what's her name? Um, keep, keep, keep slipping my head. Uh, 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 Red Blood. Red Velvet is an amazing example at that, too. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, what's her name? You know, um, the, the, the Rosemary of AEW. Abaddon. Abaddon, thank you. Abaddon, and you got people that, you know, whether they got signed or whether they just was able to receive uh, televised. I mean, with the indies dying, it, it did die for reasons, but it didn't kill the heart of independent wrestling and these talent. And AEW stepped up, giving them a platform in order for them to do uh, to showcase their talent and keeping people's spirits high because a lot of people was really dwelling in 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 and um in in the depression because of the idea that they were not were, were unable to now bring in that money that they really relied on and now dark whether it be fifty matches on the night or what it still gave people five minutes five to ten fifteen whatever minutes to display their talent and that's really translated into viewers us being able to see who these people are them being able to you know grow their audience their fan base but also an opportunity to be signed and it's just been it's, it's just crazy to think that because you know again going back to Baron black we've known him for a while but if you don't know him i don't see you knowing him in 2020 I mean, honestly like half the new york indie scene got you know appeared on aw some way somehow yeah Diamante and Ivelisse being in AEW is something I do not see happening with the without the pandemic. And it's oh, I mean it's, them, uh, you know, the acclaimed, the uh, acclaimed. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like we saw what Dark was, and, and if you remember, like Dark was maybe four matches. The show was an hour, mm-hmm. um, and you know, a lot of that stuff was um, uh, just filler for Dynamite, basically. And it was just yep. a show. You threw it away. And then they would just bring in local talent from whatever town they ran, which is why Abaddon first debuted on Dark in Denver. Yep. Because that's, that was her area. And now you fast forward nine months, Dark's two hours. <laughs> Some people think that it's going to be the second show. They're having two hours on the friendly side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a smooth two hours, and but then they're still showcasing things. And honestly, from last night's Dark, if you didn't see um, Stu Grayson versus Lee Johnson, you missed a hell of a match. Yeah, um, there are and, moves that I've never seen before in that match. And, and how about this? You just made me think about something. How about the idea that social media was able to get involved to have people get opportunities? Warhorse is is a, is an example of somebody who is an absolute big indie star 
that we, of course, know. And and whether you know him or not, you had this one person come out there, completely get himself over against Cody in a high-profile match. I, again, these are things that I just don't think happen. I would think the same is for Sugar Dunkerton. Oh, 100%. He's absolutely the standout in this in this conversation right here. Absolutely. It just doesn't happen. And, sh- and, and and let's be honest. If the pandemic ain't happened, Shug may not even been in the States. He would just probably still been in the UK. And he could have been a major star in the UK, signed to Progress. Well, well, WWE. No, because the WWE has the, all of their tentacles in the entire and, UK, uh, UK wrong, scene. See where I'm getting at? Exactly. And see where I'm getting at? How his whole career could just have been different. And while we know him, and if you don't know him, you know, by following his social media, you know enough that he banks on himself. And who knows if he had it went down the WWE route, who he would have been. Now he's one of the loudest voices in in all of wrestling about staying true to yourself and yeah. what's right and what's right. And this year has been all of that, about literally speaking out about the wrongdoings in professional wrestling and look what he's doing. Well, let me ask you this. If, tw- if, if, if COVID doesn't happen, how many wrestlers uh, don't have Twitch accounts? <laughs> Twitch, cameo. I mean, how many, how many, how many wrestlers understand what a union is now, or yeah. basically what their self rights are? What are your, what are your constitutional rights now? Th- these things that really made people come, you know, look themselves in the mirror and say, like, you're not just a wrestler, you're an independent contractor. You are your business. Anything you do is a reflection of yourself, everything. And, you know, while, you know, we'll, again, we'll, we'll, we'll speak more about the speaking out stuff on the part two version of this, but like this year, as bad as it's been, as much as I wish I was at a live show, it's been a lot of good things that has happened that there's no way that these, you know, we'll almost call anomalies all happen all together at one time and whether you know whether you can face it or not it it faced it it made all promotions to really reevaluate themselves some get desperate and make changes that they could you imagine i'm jumping all over the place but could you imagine if you was running a promotion the first thing you all anybody you must know if you're running a business you have to set a three to four year plan AEW is in their second AEW dark is in their second year now, do you think that this year they would have absolutely said like, damn, we got to resort to the indies in order to really beef up our roster. We have to do something with Impact Wrestling in order to really, you know, keep things interesting. We don't we don't have our Joshi people that we completely were going to invest in this entire year. What are we going to do? You know, because they had this all planned out. And look what the year has caused everybody to go back to the table, reshuffle the cards. And a lot of people got full houses. Yeah. So yeah. crazy I mean, year. It's been really interesting to see, you know, how everyone has decided to pivot against what new, um, uh, what, what the year has thrown at them. And Lord knows 2020 has thrown a lot at people. Um, you know, nobody's been exempt from 2020, but, you know, as we've seen before, uh, whether it's WWE and still in their stubbornness to, I don't want to say conform, but in their stubbornness to evolve in a way that 
you know, gets them out of their rut. I mean, Raw still having the worst ratings ever they've ever had before. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what their excuses are now. Everybody's in the same pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, so it doesn't matter, you know, to what Raw excuse is nowadays. Um, but Impact had a different set of problems and they've adjusted quite nicely. AEW, you know, they're, they're barely into their second year of existence and they've adjusted quite nicely. Uh, however, Ring of Honor, uh, with all of its you know, history and lineage and for what it's worth, no, they you know are just going <laughs> just as bad as the NWA is. And don't get me wrong, I love the Pure Tournament, but that's not it. I mean, yeah, that's, that 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 was a good like palate cleanser. No, it's it's, it's the it's the equivalent of the Cruiserweight Classic translating into two hundred five live. It's like. Exactly. Now that you've done something good, what are you going to do always? Now you you done you done you done gave us a showcase that we're interested in. That is true to your identity. That's really elevated talent, Tracy Williams and um and, and Fred Yuta. You know people that again we know, but now everyone knows now. But now what are you going to do? Because you have two stars on there, you know you do, but you need to convince other people. You need to get the uncasual fans to come look at your roster. If you want to be a player in this game, yeah, yeah, it, it's and, and, and get a, and get a goddamn TV deal, please. Jesus Christ! I mean, please. Why, why? Why have you not? So, uh, shall we do news? Let's do news. Yeah, let's get news. I don't think any anything else really in in, in regards to twenty twenty. Uh, we again on the second half, folks. We will cover. Uh, more about the speaking out movement. We'll talk about our standouts to look for people to look uh, look out for in 2021. Uh, we'll talk about our standouts in 2020, um, and then we'll also give our evaluations for what promotion uh, really excelled this year. Uh, but anything else um, in regards to the things we talked about this year, uh, this first half, excuse me, uh, with ROH Impact AEW evaluation. Um, I mean, I don't want to be a dead horse, but, you know, we we've kind of touched on like where we were and where we are. And then, of course, uh, you know, time keeps on moving. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're under a month from the Royal Rumble. Uh, NWA, or not NWA, rather, but um, Impact has Hard to Kill on January 16th, I believe. So that's actually who knew that I would be excited about an Impact pay-per-view yeah. um, ever. But, you know, so these these are things. And um you know, it's a lot to look forward to, considering how bad it, it should be. There's a lot of hope on the other side of this thing. So yep, uh, yep. Let, let's start the news on the other side of the world in Japan. Yashitoshi Nishimura, he's the Minister of Economic Revitalization for the Japanese government. And he said that new coronavirus infections on the 23rd, yesterday for, uh, for us, but on the 23rd, a large-scale event targeting Tokyo, where the infection of the new coronavirus is spreading again. Until January 11th, the company has announced the policy to return the, to the upper limit of uh, capacity for for events to 5,000 people. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. So that means that Wrestle Kingdom, which is January 4th and 5th, they had uh, were going to sell upwards of 20,000 tickets mm-hmm. at the Tokyo Dome. Mm-hmm. That number has been cut to five thousand for both shows. Mm-hmm. So, if you have tickets, <laughs> if you wanted tickets, no, uh, tickets are now not being sold as they are above that five thousand uh, limit. So I'm reading. Sure. Go ahead. 
Let me ask you a question. How do they mitigate this issue? Somebody's going to be getting some refunds. You, that's, I mean, that def, that definitely is the way you satisfy everybody, but do you not see them, number one, do you think they press the fire marshal buttons and just go with the flow, or do they reschedule this? <laughs> well, I mean, in, in certain things, the, the max capacity for the other leagues, like uh, the J League, which is soccer, um, uh, uh, MPB baseball, uh, you know, those um, upper limits of capacity were 10,000. Okay. Um, but apparently, uh, it don't matter anymore. Uh, the bottom line is, is that in Tokyo, and you know, among other restrictions that they're going to have in the greater Tokyo area, including because you know New Year's is coming up, and you know the new, big New Year New Year's parties and, and stuff like that. So a lot of restrictions are going down in Tokyo, which will have ramifications to Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, mm-hmm. It will be at the Tokyo Dome, but it will be interesting to see what 5,000 people sounds like in the Tokyo Dome versus 20,000. Also, also, how does that translate to the uh, Thunderdome in Tropicana Field, which is a similarly sized stadium in St. Petersburg, Florida, to the Tokyo Dome? Mm-hmm. Um, and as I, I would have to assume the WWE has got to be watching this with their like logistical gargles on, wondering <laughs> what, you know, what this looks like as far as fans goes in the arena. Mm-hmm. Um they can always scale the Thunderdome back mm-hmm. and do the whole st- tiered video boards behind 5,000 fans or 5,000 seats in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could use the baseball field for that. There's a lot of things that could go down, but and they have a couple months of Tropicana Field to use because baseball is mm-hmm. not going to start until March. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be, Wrestle Kingdom will be very interesting this year. From a logistical standpoint, but yeah, five thousand—that's that's a blow to anybody that wanted to, to hear mm-hmm. a loud crowd at a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. Uh, a question: So Cody Rhodes uh, responded to some mark on Twitter. <laughs> now, yeah, so I, I, I read the first tweet as they had a lengthy exchange, but um, this so the mark uh, says yes. The start of the crime that has been perpetrated in professional wrestling, this birthed the abomination that is AEW, a dark day indeed. And Cody retorts, I mean, this day we better the wrestling economy and quality of life standards for an entire industry. So no matter which way you shake it, it's a great day in history. Um, so even though Cody is in the right in this regard, and that AEW, whether you like it or not, has been substantially better for the wrestling community as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yay. More wrestling on TV is a good thing uh, for a number for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. But do you think that the executive vice president of any company should be taking you know, people to the task on Twitter, whether they're right or not? Do you think yeah. that, that petty arguments like this on the internet do you think that the EVP of the company should be above the fray of these type of uh, this discussions? Absolutely. I mean, I, we talked about this before. And I think also, too, like when you wear your title on your sleeve, then I think... Or on his neck, basically. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the one thing this year that was completely terrible, and that was getting that tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, this, is, this is beneath him. Um, I don't understand why. I, I, I feel like and this is my harshest criticism with them is that I feel like 
they are all positioned to succeed and they all are in positions where they can, they are knowledgeable and should excel in their duties. But then as soon as you start getting on Twitter, talking to average Joe Smo, who's never owned a business, you know, who's in their mama's basement, you know, the marks. Why, why do you give them the time of day? I, 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 what I don't ever understand is why negativity always gets responses, but the positivity just gets overlooked, you know? And this is just, it's beneath him. There's nothing, there's not there's nothing for him to gain in this, whatever he's doing, whatever they're doing behind closed doors, let them, they, they, they should just worry about that. Well, I, the, short I, answer, I think, the short answer to your, your, your question is what Bischoff said many years ago is that controversy creates cash. If uh, you know, that's why um, people react to things that are shocking or provocative versus yep. things that are, you know, good, unless they're good mm-hmm. in like an extreme way, like, oh my God, this kitten's the cutest kitten ever. So we will view that 75 million times on YouTube. Yep. But things that are good, but mundane are just good. Like, hey, I pay my rent on time. Cool. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're, you're entirely right. But on the flip side of the argument, I would, I would say that maybe it is good that Cody's actually coming down off of his high horse, uh, Cody Jarrett, Cody McMahon Helmsley, whatever you want to call him, uh, is coming down off of his high horse. And, oh you know, and, and, it's, and it's saying to the people, like, not, not only do we see you on Twitter, you can, so you can't just run and hide, but you're talking out of your ass, and I have facts. And if anybody don't know the facts, I'm one of the EVPs of the country that, you, that you're shitting on, and you're wrong. So yeah. maybe... And because this did get, you know, traction in the dirt cheese and stuff like that, and obviously the responses on Twitter is is a thing as well, maybe it does kind of come into play where it's just like you don't get to get away with saying stupid inflammatory things anymore, and we're not going to see it and call you out. Yeah, but you know what, though? We, we know the game. It's 50-50 with the trolls. They do this because they want reactions. They say things that doesn't have any premise, and they want to spark reactions. I mean, right. it's literally what people do in the crowds there. They say things to people, you know, and they, they try to, you know, degrade people, but they be right in their face as soon as they see them at the airport. So, like, you know, this is one of the things, like, well, how much can I pull this tie until you eventually choke and say something? And I, I hate that tactic. It's, it's something I would never do, but it's never going to stop because these things happen. Because guess what? Uh, uh, Tommy Boy Fifty Five is doing right now. Oh my God! I'm on, I'm 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 on all the outlets and, and all the dirt sheets. Like I I I got I got Cody mad. He responded to me. Did you see this? Did you see this? It's the same people that when you go to live shows, they're like, "Hey, I'm gonna start a chant." Okay, good for you. <laughs> Go somewhere with yourself. The only thing I'm saying to that is, hi, Ricky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Made my mic crack. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, you know, COVID has taken a lot um, <laughs> of this year, obviously, but other uh, things have happened this year that were equally sad, including the passing of Chad Gaspar, uh, yeah. heroically. Uh, he died in a uh, surf, uh, not a surfing, a swimming accident. Off the coast of Los Angeles, and he basically, in his last moments, uh, saved his son. Yep. And and that's you know he's a goddamn hero for it. So that was back in May. Uh, his wife, his widow, 
is uh, Selena Gaspar. She is uh, suing the county of Los Angeles mm. um, for negligence, basically. Mm. And she is um, she's saying that there was insufficient uh, warning signs of the dangers of swimming in the area. Mm. And the lifeguards that were uh, that attempted to save her husband and son were understaffed and not properly trained. Any. Mm. Um, she also claims that they did not bring the proper equipment to save them. Mm. So, and that of course did not. Uh, they didn't. They couldn't have made a proper attempt to save Shad's life or rescue anyone uh, mm. when they were underserved themselves so i i just want to say los angeles has taken l's this month with loss uh, this year with lawsuits because kobe wife also filed one that's a very similar <laughs> in the language being used here uh and thus la was on fire all year so yeah so um basically um uh he was about 50 yards from from Venice Beach uh, in, La- in L.A. County, uh, which is not terribly far away, but still, um, you know, there needs to be some warning about that because rip currents, undertow, all of that stuff, it will it will drag you down and it'll kill you. And, mm-hmm. you know, Shaq Gaspar was an athlete, big dude. So mm-hmm. uh, any, you can, anybody can get got. So hopefully, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what comes of this case. Um JBL, he has a YouTube channel, I guess. <laughs> right. So apparently he did a Q&A on the YouTube, on his YouTube channel. It's about 20 minutes or so. Um, one of the questions that he answered that was interesting, I mean, he did talk about brothel, uh, so that was a thing if, you, if you're interested in that. But he talked about ECW One Night Stand. He was there. He made it to Blue Meanie. Uh, and you know it was the blue meanie because there's this guy dressed as a Smurf with a face full of blood because of JPL. Never forget. So he didn't know what ECW was, and you know he just didn't have the time to watch it. You know he, he understands that other wrestlings out there, but he didn't know. Now the one thing that was interesting when he was gotten to the Hammerstein Ballroom, he said, um, "The passion of that crowd. I've never felt anything like it." I've been in some crazy arenas, and that crowd was awesome. They told me, quote, don't walk through the crowd. We can't guarantee your safety. So, of course, I walk through the crowd. If I get beat up or whatever, it's going to be great TV. It was awesome. I love being a heel there. I love those fans. loved everything about it. Of course, I understood after being there for one night stand how great ECW was. I think NXT is kind of like that now. The passion that people feel is going to some of these takeover shows. You feel the same type of passion. And it feels like they belong and you want them to feel that way, that they're a part of the show. And I think NXT is very similar to ECW that way. I could work in in front of crowds like that every single day. The interesting thing about that is, well, if you notice that about NXT, what does that say about Raw and SmackDown? Mm. (laughs) Oops. Um, But but it is interesting. You know, obviously he's not going to talk about Mamie the Blue Meanie, but it is interesting from, from a WWE guy walking into that crowd on that day. And that's one of the greatest pay-per-views I've ever seen. Uh, ECW One Night Stand back in 2006, I think. Um, but, and, and to see that thing ha- go down the way it did was uh, a monumental moment in, in wrestling history. So back to Japan. 
uh, back to Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Juice Robinson is injured. Been pulled. Yeah, been pulled from the show. Yeah, so he got pulled from the show. I'm not sure if it was just the uh, road to uh, Wrestle Kingdom or if it was the card itself. Apparently, it is the card uh, itself. Um, it will be two nights. Uh, it's going to be six matches, um, five on the first night on the regular show, and the 22-man uh, rumble uh, on the pre-show. And then Stardom is going to have a um, Stardom is going to have a dark match on night two, and then there's six more matches on the main card. Um, the big match is Okada versus Will Ospreay, Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi on night one. Uh, and then you have um, the ramifications of, of night one, depending on who wins certain matches, they go into night two. I'm really looking forward to Shingo Takage versus Jeff Cobb. Uh, that's going to be very, very interesting. And of course, the main event is uh, Jay White challenges whoever wins um, um, Naito versus Ibushi. So, yeah, I think that's going to be, um, it's going to be a hell of a card. Now, the question is, when will you watch it? It starts at like three in the morning here, so yeah. I don't know about that, but still, um, interesting oh. show and pretty good for ten bucks on New Japan World. Yeah, uh, but that is January fourth and fifth of next year. Um, New Japan said that they had seventy-eight shows, totaling one hundred thousand attendees since July. They've had zero <laughs> COVID cases, so good for them. Um, I think. They, they said um, in a statement, this is from Naoki Shugabayashi. Tonight's card in Corbin Hall will mark the final event for New Japan in 2020. Since fans were readmitted to venues on July 11th, we've conducted 78 events in Japan and have to- total crowds over 100,000. And the total cases uh, arising from these events have remained at zero. Uh, as ever, New Japan will start activity in 2021 with our events at the Tokyo Dome, our staff, wrestlers, and as seven wrestlers will continue to work to the utmost of our abilities to provide a safe environment for fans to enjoy New Japan Pro Wrestling. Obviously, with the new government restrictions, I hope that those COVID cases uh, continue to remain low, if not zero. But, um, you know, Japan is going through a wave right now, uh, a week before Wrestle Kingdom. So, you know, good luck to everybody over there. I saw an interesting thing. Uh, this is called the Last Word on Sports uh, website. And they had their 2020 top mark out moments. And some of them were like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I think I think in, in general, just I put that out there just to get your head around it, because let's save that for some next uh, week's end of the year you know, extravaganza. But um Considering what this year was, there were some pretty interesting moments in the wrestling ring, whether that's Kenny and Don Callis appearing on TV, Tony Khan appearing on Impact Television somehow. Um, you know, Motor City Machine Guns came back. Edge is not dead. Uh, you know, the Boneyard match happened. Sting is now the winner. You know, Raven now. Um, Cinematic matches are a thing. Yeah. yeah the, Undertaker, the Undertaker's done again. Saudi Arabia is done. But for how long? Yeah. <laughs> Goldberg is ready to come back. <laughs> I mean, no matter no matter what generation you watch wrestling, there's a wrestler for every generation as people from the old past are returning 
and fourth generation wrestlers are now in the same <laughs> in the same promotion as their uh, as, as their uh, parent or their uh, elders, shall I say? It's crazy times, but yeah, yeah, you, you, it's, it's definitely been some things happening. Also, you talked about um, deaths this year. Um, what's her name? Also, um, who um, passed away uh, as a result of cyberbullying? Which I'm, I don't know. If uh, you know yeah, and did we bring that up in the news? But uh, they're actually getting ready to. Um, actually, let me just not talk off the side of my face. Uh, something yeah. else is happening with that case. Yeah, I mean, the, the, apparently charges are being brought against the uh, person or persons that yeah. uh, allegedly sent those messages. Uh, mm-hmm. But I couldn't find anything super conclusive, so I didn't leave it out. But yeah, apparently the yeah. Japanese government is actually going to move forward with the with yeah. that case against individuals. That have yeah, been and, and also, too, I mean, uh, you know, with this year, he had speaking out. And as much as we had speaking out, we also had um, very, very vocal voices in Black Lives Matter. Um, so we, we got to see platforms and results of this movement uh for uh wrestlers of color this year and you know when these type of things happen then opportunities come about as well too so we're getting we're we're able to see um wrestlers really be vocal about their stance on this movement and not have no repercussions from it and you know getting uh, people of color bigger opportunities and bigger chances and bigger platforms to showcase their talent unlike they would have had in the past. And I think that um, this year has been, it's been a year where people had time in their hands and people were going for the shit. So people really spoke up about things that um, needed to be had spoken up on. And thus people have lost their jobs. People have been, uh, promotions have been buried, but also, there has been opportunities for the deserving and um, just a lot of other good things for that. And um, somehow, someway, the collective still ran this year, although they didn't happen WrestleMania weekend. That still happened. And that's another story for another time. But like, there's been a lot yeah, of crazy things happening. They ran, but I also remember that the collective had to sue to get like a lot of their recoup and a lot oh, of their money. The and, yeah, that was okay. a whole a whole big thing because it was uh, because of your COVID happening. Um, you know, they had to pull out of uh, Tampa this year, and a lot of places were like, okay, cool, but you know you signed a, a no-refund policy. Yes, but we also couldn't have the show. That seems to be a you problem and not an us problem. Mm-hmm. If, you want, if the venue's available, you paid for it. Do what you want to do. And they had to sue and, and do a thing, so that was that was really, really tough. Um, you know, on the, uh, on the whole, you know, in- independent wrestling industry. And they managed to do a show in October, which was a hell of a show, a hell of a weekend, which turned into a super spreader event. So what could possibly go wrong? Um, last couple of things as you know, before we get out of here, uh, Trish Stratus is you know, done with wrestling. That's not news. Uh, what is news? And I didn't know that um, apparently she's been offered a, a coaching position uh, with NXT um, that she turned down because she ain't moving to Florida. Uh, you know, Trish said thanks, but no thanks. And unless NXT, you know, Canada happens. No, I'm not leaving Toronto. Um, <laughs> Keith Lee, uh, as we talked about the year of the wrestler, uh, and I think this has been the year of the wrestlers. We've seen independently a lot of, like a Jeff, Jeff Cobb, for example, EC3, for example. Um, you know, re- the wrestlers as individuals are making moves in a way that we haven't really seen before until now. Keith Lee's one of those guys. 
as he's made moves, and now he's that he's on the main roster. Apparently, he has not signed an agreement for WWE to use his name and likeness. Apparently, Keith Lee has recently filed a um, a trademark on his name and license as a likeness as a wrestler, and because he's been Keith Lee, the character, the wrestler since 2008, uh, well before he was in WWE, he wants to um, you know trademark that. And if he does that, the WWE can't make the money off of Keith Lee merchandise they sell. It will be interesting to see what happens or how that how that bread breaks down when they Keith Lee becomes the star that he really deserves to be, and WWE can't make a hundred percent of the profits off of him. Yeah, they restructure his contract. They do it. AJ Styles has owned his stuff for forever, so they restructure his contract. He he already knows what it is because as soon as that becomes an issue, the anything with WWE on it, such as his Netflix show, such as his documentaries and DVDs, Blu-rays, and all those, whether they get stream revenue, all those things that you're saying, oh, you didn't have the rights to do, well, they're going to be like, okay, cool, we'll, we'll, we'll break bread. <laughs> you don't get paid for the other stuff we did, and we won't use that. Right. So, it'll be, okay. it'll be the difference between Keith Lee and AJ Styles is that AJ Styles was AJ Styles before he Always. ever got to WWE. Yep. Keith, and Keith, Lee, Keith Lee was, but he just probably never, I mean, yeah, he's he's never he's never owned his name. Now he right. is. So, right. um, and, and, and I like to think that well, well, we'll talk about it later. We're going for another minute, but like, you know, interesting times. These are the things that people have learned in 2020. Look at right. the conversation we're having. People being business people. Right. It, it really has been the year of the individual wrestler in 2020. Uh, uh, a couple, a uh, few, two few things. Uh, Impact. Apparently, they're going to st- uh, stretch Night in, um, Hard to Kill, which, of course, is headlined by the, the big tag team match between the Good Brothers, Anderson Gallows, and AEW World Champion Kenny Omega versus Impact World Champion Rich Swan and the Motor Senior Machine Guns. Um, that's the big match for the January 16th show, Hard to Kill. All that week, Impact's got something cooking. On January 12th, they will re-air their last pay-per-view, which is Battle for Glory. Uh, that'll happen at 4. Of course, Impact is new on Tuesday, um, on January 12th anyway. Uh, after Impact goes off the air at 10 p.m. Eastern, Imp- Impact in 60 will take uh, basically a year in review type of a thing. On Thursday, January 14th, Impact will air um, hard, This is Hard to Kill, which is a countdown show similar to The Road to, if you like the AEW stuff. Um, on January 15th, Access TV will be airing Kickboxer, which is going to be hosted by the Good Brothers as it's titled Badass Movie Night with the Good Brothers, with the Good Brothers Kickboxer. I'm watching so that. I am so watching that. Yeah, so that's going to be fun because it's Van Damme, Anderson, and Gallows. You know, that's going to be fun. And then, of course, there's a red carpet event on Saturday, an hour before um, Hard to Kill stops at 7 p.m. So they're really trying to hype this thing up in, like, the big uh, event. And you know what? We're coming a week off of Wrestle Kingdom. Hard to Kill is a thing with AEW implications in there. And then, of course, the week after that, I believe, is the Royal Rumble. So a busy three weeks that we will not have shows for. <laughs> so we will see y'all asses in February. But um, I, I, I do bring that up because <clears throat> we won't be talking about that 
live yeah. in in January. Lastly, uh, Darby Allen. Now everybody and their mother has been calling him Baby Sting or Turtle Boy, but he apparently doesn't really watch wrestling. Um, no he knows the wrestling. He does the wrestling, but he doesn't really consume the wrestling. He's not that guy. He watches skateboard videos and jackass um, and throws himself off of things into sharper things. Yeah. So when it comes to working with Sting, he did an, article, an interview with Forbes magazine because Darby Allen in Forbes magazine is something I never thought I would say in 2020. But he uh, talked about working with Stings and he says in a quote, the whole time I was sitting in the Raptors, I didn't know I was alluding to anything. I believe that. He says, there's nothing as big as having the ball to me and having someone of Sting's caliber come through and you're in charge of helping write that story of his debut. It doesn't get any bigger than that. And I take that very seriously. So I'm like, it's business time. And he talks about getting advice from Sting and to, you know, do what he's been doing. And that moment when Sting came through and the snow fell and, um, and the, the pop from the crowd and stuff like that. And he was like, that's one of those moments where it's like, I may not know what this is, but I'm glad I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another, um, yeah, but of the people that he does know and like and and worked, uh, look forward to and, and, and admirers in wrestling, he's like, well, nobody in wrestling spoke to me as a human, but I was a huge admirer of guys like Sting, their body of work, guys like McFody, dudes that were artistically and physically pushing the limits of what wrestling is, but outside of the ring. Uh, he says that he likes guys like Henry Rollins or Bam Margera because they pushed the boundaries as well. Quoting Darby, because I like crazy shit. Uh, as far as what he does watch, he says he just watches skating videos. So I think it is good. That's one of those things about AEW that you really got to gotta respect. Yes, the old guard is there. There's a lot of ex-WWE, ex-Impact, ex-everybody else talent. But they also are building newer, younger stars, plucking them from the indies, putting them in a situation letting them see what works and what doesn't work. And honestly, in a, in a traditional sense, I, there's a lot of guys like MJF wouldn't be MJF on the main roster. Um, Darby Allen wouldn't be Darby Allen in, in WWE. Um, you said there's a lot of those guys where you just go like, okay, cool. Um, this is the place for you. And that's the one of the things about AEW that you kind of got to get back to and give them credit for that they carved a niche that is now a precedent and they set it in 18 months. So got to respect that. And that's the news for this week. Well, that's the news for forever because uh, there's no more news until February. So um, it is, it is always like, if you want to keep up with the news and everything as well too, obviously you can uh, follow our social media and the website, bigobellgroup.com. Um, but yes, these are the relevant things that's happening this week. And this is again our part one of of things of 2020 reflections, holiday special, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, stay tuned uh, for episode two, uh, which will be dropping next Thursday, the 30th for you all. Um, thank you for listening to part one. Let's know um, on our social media, on Twitter, BGB group, your thoughts about things that's happening this year. And as always, we'll see you uh, for part two. And then after that, we'll see you in February. Thank you for listening, folks. Oh,